Welcome to the Gemmer Collector Cast, a journey into the world of collecting. From Star Wars to Cabbage Patch Kids, Nintendo to Hot Wheels, from antiques to vintage finds, we're here to talk about what you collect. Now, your host, a lifelong collector and super nerd, Jeff Tucker. Hey, welcome back to the Gemmer Collector Cast. I am your host. I am Jeff Tucker. Uh, we are we are just scouring the world for amazing collections. We've talked to some of the most energetic and vibrant collectors on this show, and it's so exciting. I've always said it on the show to talk to somebody about the very thing that excites them collecting wise. You just see their eyes light up, and part of the the collecting universe is that I have collected action figures my whole cognizant life like i star wars began and when star wars ended i was still in a fever to collect things and collect things and if you listen to the show you probably know exactly what i'm talking about where you just look for that next thing to get hooked into that next thing to get latched onto and ride it for all it's worth right but here's the weird part after star wars ended, and now star wars arguably was and is remains the number one licensed product of all time. Star Wars, Star Wars, everything. I just did an episode about Luke Skywalker where we talked for a full 45 minutes on just things Luke Skywalker. That's how much... I mean, that's just one character. I could probably do another 45 full minutes on just Han Solo or just Darth Vader. And it's weird to think that after Star Wars, the toy line ended... Uh, it took a little bit of the licensed toy lines with them. After Star Wars ended, the world was dominated by uh, Transformers and He-Man Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe. Now, what those had in common was that um, they had cartoons. Transformers and G.I. Joe and He-Man all had cartoons on. So once the government relinquished the rules that you couldn't have a cartoon be basically a 30-minute commercial for toys. Uh, the toy people toy people lined up. Uh, I read a great book about, about the toy wars, where as soon as the laws lessened up, uh, Hasbro jumped right in with reimagining G.I. Joe from the 12-inch to 3-quarter-inch. And, uh, of course, Mattel did the same thing with He-Man in a little bigger scale. But... Movie licenses, and that's where I get all of my excitement, is I like movie toys. They, they went away. In the mid to late 80s, there was a string of movies that, that could have been toys. Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, there was a short line for Gremlins. Uh, Goonies did not have a toy line. Explorers did not have a toy line. And the 80s closed out finally with one film property with a big toy line. We'll get to that in a little later. What we're talking about on this show is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Cue the music. And what I mean by good and bad and ugly is movies that were good or bad, that begat toy lines that were good or bad, and there's one on my list that's just plain ugly. Uh, welcome to the show, my good friend, my son, Austin. Say hey. Hello. Austin has grown up around me, and he's picked up the action figure bug. Like, you know action figures. Absolutely. I love collecting. We love to go to flea markets and swap meets and thrift stores and just 
zap. We're like the Terminator. You know the Terminator has that, that we can do that. You can pick up a figure and hold it up and within a second, I'll tell you what line it is, what year it's from, and how rare it is, right? And you do the same thing. Absolutely. Isn't that, it's crazy to think like we could open a box of figures and within a second or two pluck out the quote-unquote Rare ones. The good ones. <laughs> what's what's the rarest action figure you've ever seen in the wild? The rarest action figure I've ever seen in the wild. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. I'm because you've seen some doozies. Like remember when you brought me? We were at a late night swap. You ever been to the swap meet on a Friday night under the lights? Like there aren't a lot of those around here, but there's one. And within a few minutes of being there, you found this ultra rare. Nintendo trophy figure. Yes, that would be a good example. It was uh, it was a Punch Out figure of Little Mac, which kind of caught my eye because Punch Out did not have a toy line. That's why I was confused. right because in the game he's just gloves, he's right? Just gloves. Yeah, you only see his backside. So Hasbro went all the way. It Hasbro in the late '80s to make a figure of Punch Out. He comes on a little base, and it's you're supposed to put your high score on it. It's supposed to be your Nintendo trophy. Yeah, yeah. We paid what seventy five cents for it or something. And it's very rare on top. Very of rare, yeah. Yeah. The rarest figure I've ever run across was uh, a Picard and Tapestry. I actually had one of those in my hand. That's a really rare Star Trek figure. And then for a while in the early two thousands, uh, toys go in waves. People collect them, and then they then they get a little older, and they get rid of them. And then a few years go by, and then they want them all back, and that's when they become, quote-unquote, valuable, right? And so in the early 2000s, we were seeing the end of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' first line. And I kept running across Scratch, who is a cat that has been to jail, right? He's in a Wobbles costume. Yeah, right? And I was picking these up for a couple of bucks, and selling them for like $25, $35, which that's good money, right? Now, forget about it. Suddenly, everybody who had those is now keeping them, and Scratch is a three or $400 figure. It's typically the figures that are near the end of the line that don't sell very well, that are desirable. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. When, it, when a toy line's about to end, or in Turtle's case, end and then get rebooted, whatever's at the tail end is when retailers stop ordering, or they order a lot lighter. Well, sometimes if an entire line kind of bombs on the market, it, it won't last very long, and that whole line as a set will get really wear down the line. Sure. So we're going to go through some good, bad, and ugly, and let's see how it goes. I, I thought this would just be fun because I love talking toys. And I'm going to start out right off the bat with, uh, you can decide whether this is a good or bad movie. Willow. Hmm, George Lucas's second masterpiece. Yes, George Lucas's... Uh, produced movie directed by Ron Howard big budget sword and sorcery movie from 1988 this was Lucas's first big foray after Star Wars now, we don't count the Ewok movies on TV right and you'd think with George Lucas with the second film it'd be a marketing bonanza yeah when they announced Willow with these really cryptic trailers I thought and then they started showing like monsters and warriors like this is going to be a big toy line and then of all people Tonka? The truck company. Tonka got the toy line and made a line. Okay, so Willow, eh, good, between good and bad movie, toy line, bad, bad all the way through. Except because the Tonka toy line were unarticulated, like... like 
army men. Army men, right? Yeah. And they will blister card it as their own figures. So you didn't buy these in a bag. It wasn't like a bag of Willow army men. Each individual army man was carded. Yeah, so the same price as like the bog monster, which was, you know, kind of dynamic. You would also have to pay the same price for Willow Ufgood with magic wand. And it's just a figure of him with his wand in the air. There's one bright spot to the Willow toy line. You can, you can buy almost any figure on the Willow toy line off eBay shipped to you under $5. No problem, except one. And that's the Ibrisisk Dragon. I don't know what possessed Tonka because the rest of the line is so lackluster and then suddenly there's this amazing dragon, two-headed dragon, fully, you know, posable and everything. And you know why it's cool, right? Hmm. Because the name Ebersisk is it's named for movie critics Siskel and Ebert. Oh. That's why it's cool. I have never seen one of these in the wild. Never at the store. I've never seen it at a toy show. I looked online and on eBay, sometimes you can pick it up for forty bucks, sometimes it goes for over a hundred, depending on whatever. You Did know? you ever see this when the film was out on the self? No, no. Wow. No. There were the, the toy lines after Star Wars were real spotty. And that'll bring me to my next... This was a big toy line. Dune. Oh. Dune, good or bad, whether you decide if the movie is good or bad. I, to me, I loved Dune. I didn't understand a word of it, but I thought it was beautiful. Uh, it's a dark film. It's not really made for children. But for some reason, LJN made a full toy line with these big figures of... Paul Atreides and Baron Harkonnen and then the ultra rare one again is the monster figure, the Sandworm. I remember seeing these toys at Toys R Us. By the end of the run, they were $1.98. Nobody wanted them. But the Sandworm, which is not even in scale with the figures, forget about it. It's still 100 bucks on eBay. I've seen people sell the empty box for $50. Do you think a possible reason why the big monster of the line is always the worst is because... It's kind of a big purchase for the parent to make for their kid. And the toy line only has like two months of self self time. So by the time they contemplate whether to buy this or not, or a big birthday or holiday comes out, it's already gone. It's already gone. You're totally right. The only weird spot in the Dune line is uh, Baron Harkonnen's son or nephew is played by Sting. So the figure actually looks just like Sting. They the actually lead- got his likeness. Yeah, the lead singer of the police. Uh, but those are two... Pretty big 80s, um, uh, you know, examples of good and bad where they just can't, you know, Star Wars was good movie, good toy line. That's what you want. The winning formula. It doesn't always work out that way. Now, we're going to go back and forth here because we've got, we've each written down some of our highlights of good and bad. So I've got some of the more recent licenses. Give us a good one. Or, I mean, you know, whatever you want. These were toy lines that I collected a few years ago. Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy. I know a lot of people who loved this movie. It was the arguably the first movie that I was really, really excited for. I was I was at Comic-Con when they announced it, and I flipped out. They're making a new Tron movie. This is going to be amazing, and more importantly, there's going to be a toy line. Right. This is uh, Spin Masters? Spin Masters decided to pick up the Tron license and make a very impressive toy line. Now, what irked me the most about Tron. Now, I thought the toys were very good. The toy line was The excellent. movie was mediocre because the trailer that they showed at Comic-Con was not footage from the film. No, it was not. It was like a test reel. Yes, and it didn't look anything like the final film at all. But the toys, yeah. the toys got a pretty decent distribution. You could yes. walk into a toy store or a Target and pretty much find right out the get-go 
any of the figures that you wanted. They did both a large, larger size talking figure. And it is it is noting that like they did both scales correctly. Yeah. The small scale had everyone and the large scale had everyone. And there were no figures that were tough to find. Why do you think they did the two scales? I think because Disney really pushed them to integrate technology into the line. So the main figures were all light up. They all had light up figures, light up features. And then the larger figures, they all had these faces. I don't know how to explain it. Like, they had actual real projected faces of the actors that talked. They were backlit lenticular that instead of you having to tilt them, tilted on their own. Yes. To give the illusion that the lips were moving. At the time, they were amazing looking. Yeah, I I agree. They They were were very striking. But I think they wanted to go that route, and Disney was really putting the pressure on them. You have to make these figures with the moving faces, because it looks really good on the toy aisle. But on the other hand, you can't do light cycles with that scale, and they really wanted to do light cycles. Yeah, yeah. And and the light cycles were arguably pretty difficult to find after the movie came out. Yeah. Especially... Uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, white one, which was the original version. And they ended up making the flyer, the car, like every vehicle was in scale with the figures. They made them all. Yeah, it was a pretty cool toy line. It was really Beautiful impressive. toy line. My only complaint is that they did not get the likeness for Quora. So he had a helmet on. Yeah, this is Olivia Wilde, who uh, would sign later on because there was an Infinity figure of her, but not uh, the figure from the toy line wore a helmet. And whenever you see a character wearing a helmet or something over its face, what does that mean? The actor didn't sign. That's right. Yeah. And the best example is what? The other one on the list I have here. We'll get there. Oh, okay, we'll get there. So I'm going to continue in my... You're, you're in the modern day and I'm in the old days. Uh, gr- good movie, bad toy line. Roger Rabbit. Oh. What happened? Roger Rabbit came out, looked unlike any film that had ever been released... Uh, was monumental, did great box office, toy line almost almost non-existent. Do you think that's because it's an animated movie? Because I think you, if you looked for examples of animated movies with full toy lines before The Little Mermaid, you wouldn't find any at all. Like, Olive One Company, The Black Cauldron, these movies did Fox not have toy Hound. lines. Yeah, no. Not at all. No. Roger Rabbit had... Some bendy figures, that, and it's big bendies and small bendies called flexies. It was applause that made it all, right? No, it was an actual toy line. It was um, LJN, I think. Oh, wow. They, they made a board game. But here's the problem. You can only make the new characters as toys. You can't do the other licenses. You can't do the other licenses. They did a Roger Rabbit comic book, and the only other comic character in it was Touche Turtle. Oh, no. Because you can't get the rights. That's the problem. Their only rights were for the film version. So Roger Rabbit kind of shot himself in the foot merchandise-wise. Now, Applause did come out with a pretty decent line of PVCs and, you know, auxiliary stuff. But actual Eddie Valiant toy line didn't happen. I can't believe, like, no one's ever picked that license up just to do, like, a McFarlane-level Jessica Rabbit and Eddie Valiant and Judge Doom. These are great characters that have never gotten their fair shake on the toy line. Yeah. Do you think it has to do with licensing still between Disney and Spielberg? Yeah. The thing is with Roger Rabbit, you can't make a move unless Spielberg says yes. And he very rarely says That's why you don't see Roger in the park anymore. Uh. Spielberg. Because what happened was they were pulling all the Roger stuff back after the opening of Toontown at Disneyland because they were going to do a sequel. A big sequel, and it never happened. And I guess things just sort of, you know, 
petered away after that where nobody's interested, nobody's interested. But Roger Rabbit, man, what a missed opportunity. Great film, terrible toy line. Could have been amazing. It could have been, absolutely. The next example I have is another Disney film that had an absolutely massive toy line for reasons I don't understand. Why does Pirates of the Caribbean on Strains or Tides have such an amazing toy line? Another example of bad movie, good toy line, right? Or what we call magnificent failures, right? Like, every Pirates movie up until this one had very lackluster toys. If I had to guess, it was because, you know, there's a reason why Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, is named that. Because when Disney executives saw what Johnny Depp was doing with the Jack Sparrow character, they decided to call the movie with the, the colon and then the second title. That way, if it bombed, they could do it again with a different title. They could call it Pirates of the Caribbean dot dot something else. And when it became... I remember, remember it just became that massive, massive hit. Yeah. Pir- the first Pirates movie was revolutionary and how fun it was how good it was and when people left the theater there was nothing to buy because nobody thought the movie was going to be a hit they thought it was a big stinking bomb and they weren't able to get stuff ramped up until really on Stranger Tides yeah, they I... did do a little bit for Dead Man's Chest and for At World's End but you're right uh, At World's End just had the they were like we're ready for them now it and was... guess what that's like Inviting people to a party, everybody shows up one weekend, and the next weekend you bake all that food and nobody shows up. This was a full figure line, and they had another really cool gimmick, very similar to Tron. Each one of them came with a pirate wing you can wear around your finger, and if you clicked the wing, it could sign a skeleton face on the pirate. Yeah, that was cool, because we had seen McFarlane level figures that didn't weren't posable. We saw. Remember, they did an animated style. Yeah, they did the big black pearl ship. But these were three and three quarter inch, fully articulated Star Wars style figures. And they had glow in the dark paint on them that reacted to the black light. I mean, those, that's a really cool thing. Even in the package, they look cool. It was a neat line. And then look at what happened for the latest Pirates movie, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Nothing. Terrible toy line. Yeah. Little chunky like play school figures. And for some reason, blind box figures of characters nobody knows. What a what a shame. Yeah. But another example of great movie, good movie, bad toy line. Oh. Uh, and who had that line? That was a weird company. I think right? that was Jack Specific. Jack Specific. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna hit the pinnacle of the '80s. And this is great movie, bad toy line. We're gonna go opposite. Oh, no, this is the same as Pirates. 1989's Batman. What a movie. They knew this was going to be a hit. They licensed the heck out of this movie. And yet, they gave the license to... Um, toy Biz, right? Toy Biz, a really small player in the toy market. They hadn't hit the break with Marvel yet. This no, is before this is Batman. before Marvel. And Well, they'd done a couple of Marvel figures. But their Marvel figures were like their Batman figures. Visible bolts on their legs and arms. Yeah. Um, only a couple of new sculpts. The rest were repurposed superpower sculpts. Molds and Secret Wars, and yeah, uh, the playset was lame. The car looked okay, but I remember going to the toy store and thinking, "This is it. This is the new Star Wars." And I bought a lot of that Batman stuff. And oh boy, not only was it cheaply made, 
but it didn't really look like the one in the movie. It was all very vague. Yeah. Nothing in Keaton's likeness. No, the, the line would eventually wane, and then the rights would go to Kenner, who then launched the Dark Knight Collection, which is some of the nicest Batman toys ever made, culminating in Batman Returns' Bat Missile Batmobile, which, in my opinion, is the greatest Batmobile toy ever made. It looks just like the one in the movie. It's big, it's clunky, and they hit a button, the sides blow off, and it becomes the Bat Missile from Part 2. But for that first film, good movie, bad toy line. All you had was the most memorable character. Bob the Goon. Bob the Joker's Goon, right? They it's, made the Goon. It's a miracle they didn't make Knox the Reporter or Vicky Vale, right? And I remember um, Batman was so big that some theaters gave you a flyer on the way in to order Batman merchandise direct from Warner Brothers. Wow. Do you believe that? You'd want it that bad. Yes. And I remember seeing the place it, which is the big... It's not the, the... Everybody knows the Kenner one that opens out from Wayne Manor. This is a Batcave playset that's totally different. And there's two little clips that you can clip your Batman figure. Not your Bruce Wayne figure, because they didn't make that one. But you can clip your Batman figure upside down. And I remember it said, straight from the movie set. Because he does that for like two seconds in the movie. Yeah, what a, what a disappointment. The next one on my list is... Oh boy... Terminator Salvation. This line. I'm gonna. We may argue at this one because I'm gonna say bad movie, good toy line. I'm gonna say awful toy line. <laughs> I'm gonna say truly awful because it's not just bad design. I mean, the figures were kind of cheap, but it was flawed. It was a flawed toy line. Now you can argue that the lead of this movie was the new character they were trying to introduce, who had a bunch of figures. But at the core of the Terminator. You have the unit itself, which actually did not get a lot of toys. Like, the generic Terminator unit was not represented much. They mostly focused on the new guy and then the ones that were half-human, half-Terminator torn open. And, of course, John Connor. If you're going to make a Terminator toy line and John Connor's making a comeback in your new film, you're going to need him. He didn't sign. Now, this is Christian Bale after Dark Knight, after Batman Begins. They had a ton of Batman toys. There must be some rule that he couldn't have two different likenesses on the toy shelf. It's gotta be. But they made a John Connor anyways. How could they do that, Austin? Well, they made a man in an army suit with a bandana, goggles, and a helmet. Yeah. It's the the most generic figure you've ever seen. You cannot see any of his face. You can't see anything. Nope. And that's John Connor. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. But see, I would argue good toy line. This is a Playmates line, right? Yes. Playmates is finally making good figures with good accessories. And they did that thing that Hasbro did with Indiana Jones, where they had the license and said, look, we're going to make everything. Everything. Because we think the fans want everything. So they made a plane. They made the hunter-killer tank. They made... All the Terminator robots and different scales that light up and talk. Yeah, there were some obvious clunkers in that line. But if you collected just the classic Terminator stuff, this was the first time a lot of the stuff was available as a toy. Up until this point, you had to buy a Horizon model kit of the hunter-killer tank or the air raider thing. And those were 100 bucks plus. But the problem was... A lot of the stuff was not at retail. It was gone pretty quick. So what was always on the shelf were these half-human, ugly, hybrid robots. And to be fair, in the movie, 
It's supposed to represent like Skynet hasn't quite figured out how to make human robots, so they look bad on purpose, but the toys looked pretty generic. They looked bad. And they ended up at Dollar Tree's forever. Did they really? 99 cent stores forever, just rotting on the shelf for years. Terminator Salvation, directed by McGee. Oh, man. We actually saw that in the theater. What a disappointment. Yeah, they lied to us. They they didn't let us know it was not, it was about Marcus, not about John yeah, Connor. I, and that was a real shame. But I still think you have to make a John Connor figure. That's just, you have to. Well, they did for uh, Terminator 2. He comes with a dirt bike. It's something. <laughs> All right, I'm going to continue with uh, mediocre, mo- bad, we'll do bad movie. Bad movie, good toy line. The Shadow. Oh my God! Uh, I actually am a fan of The Shadow, but I but I recognize that it has its flaws. Alec Baldwin plays the pulp mystery uh, crime fighter who could cloud men's minds, and the the toy line by Kenner. This is when Kenner was snapping up everything. Right? They were just if it had any kind of superhero or something aesthetic to it, they were going to make it. And I remember the, the shadow line walking in, into the toy store and like, oh, that's great. There's like eight figures to collect. There's two cars, one motorcycle, and a play uh, a, a carrying case. I can buy it all. And they look good. I mean, you have to understand, it's the 90s. McFarland Toys hasn't come about yet. So all the toys are shiny, clunky, primary yeah. clunky colors and like that. But that's, but that's what you get. That's the look. So in that respect... The Shadow toy line is fully complete. It has the it has a few good guys. It has a few bad guys. You can reenact parts of the movie. And I'll, I'll put my money on the taxi cab that comes with this toy line. The Shadow Cab, one of the greatest vehicles of the entire 90s decade. It's a beautiful toy. Beautiful toy. Unlike Batman, now you could go see the movie and buy all the figures. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was a good thing. It's right off the bat. You could leave the theater and go get all the toys. Because a lot of those, a lot of the toys of this era did not have good distribution for whatever reason. I mean, you and I have tried to collect the Mario Brothers movie toys. I was just going to go to that. Oh, you, is that next on your list? Yes. Okay, now, what's the good-bad ratio on that one? I would say... Off, I love the movie, but it's awful. You recognize it. I recognize that it's it as an awful movie. <laughs> and I guess Ordel, the weird company that got this, got really excited because up until this point, there had been no Super Mario toys. I mean, absolutely nothing. And Ertl was mostly, 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 mostly known. Ertl was mostly known for diecast cars. And here they were making an accent figure. Yeah. Line. Big clunky figures of Bob Hoskins. John Leguizamo. Oh my god. And Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. They got all the likenesses. And they made everyone from the movie. And I gotta applaud them. They made they made a playset. Yeah. They made a vehicle. Yeah. They made a full figure line, a role play toy, and two deluxe talking dolls. Like that's the complete line. They made two goons. I'm sorry, four goons. They made four enemy goons. They made Mario and Luigi, all with their accessories. It is a beautiful toy line. It's a it's a beautiful failure. It is a because yes, yeah, the movie's just unwatchable. But I have a Bob Hoskins figure because I'm a big Bob Hoskins fan, right? It looks just like him. Yes, again, bright colors, you know, not real detailed sculpting. But as far as from that era, it's the best that they could do, and it's a, a real shock that that movie bombed. I mean. I mean, word, how did word get out so quickly that it was bad, you know? And the toy line, 
rotted for years on toy shelves. But now... Now the collectible. Forget about it, man. Video game collectors have crossed over to collecting all this ancillary stuff, and they're very expensive. Most of the time, you won't even find it online. The whalest figure of the line is the Koopa, which is just the Goomba figure with a dinosaur head, and it's supposed to be the Koopa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he was the playset packing figure, and he's uberware. They also made a police car from the film that's beautiful, a really nice vehicle all the figures can go in. But you never see that. No, I've never seen it physically ever. They even took the Nintendo Super Scope, like the actual Super Scope accessory, and cast it in light blue hollow plastic and made it a role play toy. That's great. That's amazing, yeah. It is a beautiful line, but you can't get it now. No, forget about it. So we're too we're too we're too far removed from it. Like there are there's no warehouse waiting to be discovered full of Super Mario movies toys. It's all in collectors' hands at yeah, this point. Yeah. They didn't make much of it. It was probably only out for a few months. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like I said, there's 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 these uh, these these arcs of time where they're out in the stores. Kids love them. The kids outgrow them and get rid of them. Then the kids grow up and they want them back. And that's the golden moment when things get expensive. And uh, I'm gonna do another bad movie, good toy line. Waterworld. Oh my god, another Dennis Hopper classic. Dennis Hopper, Kevin Costner. Uh, this this was this movie was infamous because at the time it was the most expensive movie ever made because they built this entire set on the ocean and it sank and they had to build it again. And uh, word got out that Waterworld was going to be a fiasco and the movie's it's not that bad. I mean, it's not terrible. If you watch it now, I mean, it's not that bad, but for whatever reason, Kenner gave it their all in the toy line, and the toy line is amazing. It has two or three good figures of Kevin Costner. It has the bad guys. It has yet another Dennis Hopper as the Deacon figure. It had small vehicles of these jet skis that they ride around on, and then a big playset of the Mariner, that's the Kevin Costner character, his catamaran. And I'm a guy who likes to set up a display. You know, like I like to put the key vehicles with the figures around it. And I remember at one time you could go into my collecting area and see the shadow with all the vehicles and figures. And right next to it, the catamaran from Waterworld with all the figures on it. I just there's something about being able to complete a line that easy. And they were they were good toys. Bad movie, but good toys. But they didn't know any better. They just saw this movie and they're like, what if this is a hit? Right. And they, give it all. And they have to know or think they know a year ahead of time. Yeah. And nobody knows. I mean, it goes back to Star Wars. Nobody wanted to license Star Wars. Mego. Imagine if Mego had licensed Star Wars. They'd still be around today. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy to think, right? The next two on my list, I would say, are two of the biggest toy line disasters in the past decade. Figures that I think remained on the self six years untouched at some stores. Like, these never sold. And then when they didn't sell, they moved them to the 99-cent stores where they're probably still sitting on them and that to happens. this day. You can, you can go to the 99-cent store today and find toys from the Spice Girls. Yeah. From 1999. The two I listed, the hand-in-hand series launched by Cartoon Network as a way of selling toys, made to sell toys. Generator Wex and the Secret Saturdays. Yeah, see, I didn't know anything about these until we went to Toys R Us one time and the figures were like ni- 98 I... cents or something. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And you're like, oh yeah, that, that already bombed. Off. It's like, 
How does a cartoon come out with a full toy line and bomb and nobody's ever seen it? That's a good question. Like, what is Generator Rex? As a watcher of Cartoon Network, I asked myself the same thing because they didn't market it correctly. And when the TV show didn't do well, they blamed it on the toys not doing well. What they counted on was having a toy line so good that you'd buy the toys and want to watch the show. When it should really be the other way around. You'd want to watch the show and then buy the toys. Start with a good film or TV project and then have merchandise. Like Adventure Time. Yes. Adventure Time took like three years to get toys out. This was backwards. Yes. And they had a ton of scales. I know they had Micro Machine figures with playsets. They had six-inch figures that were actually really nice looking, and they had even bigger figures that were like deluxe ones. So you don't know what scale to collect. Uh, I know Secret Saturdays. I don't even. I don't think it had any villain. I think it was just the heroes, which I think is a problem. You need a goon to fight, and it was just a huge misfire. Yeah, and those rotted on shelves forever. I mean, long, Toys R Us. Time. Toys R Us never gets rid of things. And even they finally reached a point where, like, we have to get these out of here. These have to go somewhere. Where are we going to do with these? You know, and uh, uh, Toys R Us had Tron figures forever. Yeah. You forgot to mention uh, the hidden gem of the Tron line. What is that? What's the figure that was canceled and then actually got out? Castor, the David Bowie parody character. Yeah. Then they made a little one, a little plastic PVC of him in a two-pack. They did. Supposedly, the story goes that they didn't actually get his likeness. They just went ahead with the figure without really getting the contract. So they had to destroy all the samples. But they still got out there. And miraculously, that two-inch PVC was the last figure of the line. And is amazingly in his likeness that he didn't sign for. Yeah, and not to go back on Tron, but... Those two packs were interesting because they did interesting characters in them. That did not appear on the regular line. They even did the Tron arcade game as a figure. The arcade cabinet as a figure, yeah. yes. Yeah, and then it came in a pack with uh, Tron's son jumping, which we thought he was jumping into the game, but it was him jumping off the roof, right? That's what happens when you're handed production photos and told to make <laughs> figures with no explanation. Here's a guy in a hoodie jumping. Go ahead and make him. Yeah. What should we pack him with? The arcade. Yeah, fun for kids. Fun for kids. What a bizarre toy line. But hey, at least they made it all. They did make it. And I remember you were very into that, and we bought a lot of that for you as a yeah, kid. Yeah, it was a cool-looking toy line. And I wasn't even the biggest fan of the movie. It kind of disappointed me, but I still like the toys. Yeah, okay, I'm going to do bad movie, pretty good toy line. Lost in Space reboot. Oh, no. Trendmasters. Yeah, um, what's the name of the robot? Uh, B9? B9. I had the B9. He's like, he has a little head that pops off and on with the other head. He's fully articulated. He can like stretch up and down from the treadmill. Like, these are nice detailed figures. Yeah, no. Accent features. Regardless of the movie, and I'm not a fan of the movie, written by Akiva Goldsman. Oh. But, but the toy line had the whole crew... They all came with little magnetic spiders. Do you remember those? Yes. Because those are in the movie. They had the Jupiter 1 spaceship. They did two or three or four versions of B9 that did different things. And then they did the very rare Future Smith. Remember Future Smith? No. Future Smith is at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, Dr. Smith, played by Gary Oldman, turns into this big, ugly, mutated monster with Gary Oldman's face, right? And the toy was shipped late because they didn't want to spoil the end of the movie. Well, by the time they shipped it, nobody cared. 
so nobody ordered it. So Future Smith for a while was really rare. I still have mine. It's one of my oddities. Uh, but a really beautiful toy line. And what made the Trendmasters line so interesting was that they also rebooted some of the old stuff at the same time, including the old robot from the original show. And right next to the toy line on the toy line on the on the toy aisle were little diecast figures of like the original Jupiter one, the original um, sand crawler looking thing that they had. So it was nice to see them pay homage to the old days and the current days in the toy line. Now it bombed. The movie bombed. This was New Line's most expensive movie to date before the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, right? This was supposed to be a tent pole with ten sequels, and nobody went to see it. But at least you got a good toy line out of it. It's okay if you get a good toy line out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next one I put was a kind of mediocre film that was expected to be a huge hit, so they had a really nice toy line. In about 2005, these were sipped to... Original Gothic Hot Topic and Suncoast Video, The Corpse Bride by Tim Burton. Yeah. This had a amazingly beautiful toy line. Like, these figures, they were not articulated very much. You could rotate the heads and the arms, and that was about it. But they really looked like the stop-motion dolls from the movie. At the time, they were better than any Nightmare Before Christmas figure that had been released. These were beautiful figures. Yeah, they were completely amazing. But they were of characters that nobody cared about in a movie that nobody cared about. Yeah, I remember we went and saw the movie, and I was not impressed. It, did, it, it wasn't one of those where I was like, i got to buy all these toys, i got to get them. They didn't, it didn't strike me that way. And even when you did, like, hey, these might be worth something, I should put them up, you couldn't find either the Johnny Depp character or the Corpse Bride character. You only found the oddball characters. They made all the background characters. Yeah. This is the best and worst thing to do. On one hand, you can have an amazing complete set, but on the other hand, you're never going to find the main cast. Right, right, right. Uh, the same thing happened a few years later with the movie Nine. Do you remember Nine? Nine's about a little robe, little creatures with goggles or something, right? Yeah, and it had a toy line, but I think they only got three figures out before it got canceled. Because the whole movie's character-driven about the nine characters. They all have these numbers on their backs. So when they make a toy line, they're obligated to make all nine. Yeah, we want to we collect them all, yes. But I think they only got three of them out before it got canned. <laughs> and I got the main guy. And it's a nice figure. It's a really nice figure. He's very detailed. All the little satin stitches are sculpted on. Interchangeable hands, accessories, the whole thing. But... It's not fun if you can't complete the set. It just feels like a missed opportunity. Okay, so I'm going to run down the good, bad, and the ugly for the whole thing. Because uh, there's one that's ugly beyond all measure, and you can't even believe it exists, right? But, uh, and then some that are, I mean, some are bad, but not really bad. I mean, if I had to put, you know, I don't want to disparage, because I collected these lines. Even though while I knew them, they weren't great, right? Let's do bad, good, worst, right? If we had to do bad, I would say that Beetlejuice, great movie, bad toy line. I Why does the Beetlejuice toy line exist? <laughs> I don't know. I have to ask that. It was The movie was a moderate hit, and then they launched a cartoon show. But the figures are not based on the cartoon. They're based on the movie. Yeah. So there's a Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. There's a... Uh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin character, Otho, like it's very strange. They probably put him into production before they finalized the designs of the cartoon. Well, I think what happened—that's a good—that's a good, that's a good uh, you know, theory. 
if I had to guess, I would think that they were trying to just complement because they were the same scale real Ghostbusters. Oh. You could put your Beetlejuice figure right next to your real Ghostbusters and almost do a crossover. Absolutely, right? <laughs> but if I had to give an award for good and great, good, good, nothing bad about it, the best is the Nightmare Before Christmas toy line. Absolutely. Um, uh, arguably the gold standard for what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the movie came out. It bombed. Nobody liked it except me and your mom. We're the only ones in the theater to see it. We went to see it. Literally, there's two of us in the theater. And I'm like, where is everybody? We thought it was a masterpiece. But it was marketed wrong. It was marketed to children. And it's not. it didn't become a children's movie for a few years. It had to really... Take its time, right? Had to simmer. Had to simmer on the on the stove, right? But the Kenner toy line was magnificent because here's why: they used mixed media to make the toys. You're absolutely right. That's the when I saw that they were because I saw these in Action Figure Digest before they came out. They were the first ever hot pick that they had, right? And I thought, well, that's weird because. I'd wonder how they would make this stuff out of plastic, but they didn't. They didn't. What'd they do? They were all over the place. Jack Skellington was half bendy, half plastic. Yes. Uh, Oogie Boogie was a hollow figure that you could break open to little micro-machine-sized bugs. Yes. That very reason... Somebody at Kenner Hasbro was thinking outside the box. Yeah. Because it shouldn't work. They don't match up. But then the movie is about misfits. And suddenly having little bendy lock, shock, and barrel next to full action figure Sally. And then half and half Jack and half and half Dr. Skellington. hollow Santa. Hollow Santa with toys in him. You go, oh, this makes total sense. Because, I mean, even the werewolf is hard plastic. He doesn't even match the rest of them. And he's got like an accent feed so he can chomp. Yeah, and the behemoth, they don't match. He can look around with his eyes. Yeah, none of these figures match except I recognized how cool the movie was right right out the gate. And I put together a collection pretty quickly. I even took a trip when you, when, before you were born, when your brother was very young, we went to Tennessee and I was able to pick up some there because they didn't know how rare they were. And I remember putting the whole line together and just like, wow. Now, they didn't look like they'd come off the movie. That would come later with some of the other companies that are making them, right? But they fit the tone of the movie. But they fit the tone. And more importantly, for toys, they were toyetic. They were toys. They all had accent features that fit the movie. I love... That's one of my absolute favorite toy lines of all time. Oh, it's so good. And then they had the big Sally doll that could fall apart, talking Jack with zero, uh, and that was it. Like, it was a pretty self-contained, these are the figures, collect them all, thank you, bye. Yeah. Although, Santa Claus was really hard to find at retail. And Oogie Boogie, right? He, initially, but we, we ended up getting him. Santa was the last one that we found for the collection, which, I mean, seems odd, right? But they're so different, so striking, and made to look just like Tim Burton's he produced it. Henry Selleck directed it. But that's that's my vote for Masterpiece. Runner-up would be Toy Story. Toy Story did have a good toy line, but it does bother me. It has those fake joints. That's why I, I didn't get it. I don't like those at all. Yeah. Toy Story is a movie about toys. So why do some of the toys have 
fake joints that aren't joints. Buzz Light, you, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Sculpted joints that aren't wheel. They did the same thing with Small Soldiers. Oh, God. Which should have been... A, Small Soldiers should have been the next Nightmare Before Christmas. I think they all should have been Lord's figures that looked like the movie. They should have. You're absolutely right. They only did Chip Hazard and Archer, leader of the Gorgonites. The rest of them were all just clunky, bad 90s figures. They looked like they were... Based off of a wheel movie. You couldn't even tell they were supposed to be toys. Yeah, no. If you saw them in a bin today, you'd think they were some one-off, like Food Fighters or Army Ants. You know, really obscure lines. Yeah. Okay, and then my vote for the ugliest toy line of the 90s, or this is, I mean, just what we're talking about. There have been some ugly toy lines, but nothing compares to the Phantom. Oh. Have you ever seen these figures? No. The Phantom is a superhero movie starring Billy Zane, and he plays the pulp like 1930s hero, the Phantom. He slams evil with his magic ring. Uh, I, I have to admit, I was a fan of this movie. It's a silly movie. This was the basically the film introduction of Catherine Zeta-Jones, who would go on to have a really big career. And then one day at KB Toys, I saw the Phantom toy line. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, cool, like Waterworld or The Shadow. I'm going to add these to my collection. They were, they were worse than knockoffs. Because at least, at least knockoffs try. The fa- they made two or three figures. The Phantom on his horse was one of those blow-molded horses with flocked fur on it. Oh, no. Non-articulated. The Phantom was stuck on top, and he was a purple He-Man body, and his head was a perfect sphere. Why would they do that? I, I have no idea. With the details painted on to make like like, like a Fisher Price figure, and they also had him on his throne with that same spherical head. These, I and I laugh because they were like twelve ninety nine. What company made them? Some off off brand, you know. Somebody somewhere was like, I think we own the rights to the Phantom. But if they made the movie, they were obviously thinking it was going to be the next Batman. So why didn't they have the toy line to back it up as the next Batman? Something must have happened, you know. That that happens every once in a while where a movie comes out and you're like, where are the toys for this movie, you know? And then other, other movies come out like Zootopia and you're like, boy, there's a lot of toys for this movie. Not really a toy movie. A lot of toys for this movie, right? Yeah. Well, hey, I want to thank you for joining us. This was fun, right? Thank you. We Absolutely. Could, we, we could, you and I know so much about this nonsense. We could stop and start over with all new toy lines. Because, right? Absolutely. We didn't even mention, like, we, Clash of the Titans. Titan A.E. Titan A.E. James Cameron's Avatar for the biggest movie ever. It so had a toy line. We'll save that for the sequel. James Bond Jr. Oh, my God. <laughs> the most embarrassing toy line ever. Johnny Quest. Oh, God. Yeah. Or yeah. Independence Day, Extreme Ghostbusters. The Austin we, Powers movies. We know all this stuff. So the, we'll save that for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Part 2. Hey, thanks, Austin, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for your knowledge. My smart knowledge. Yes, you know everything. All right. This is the Gemmer Collector Cast. You can follow Gemmer on Twitter at Gemmer, G-E-M-R. Or you can go on Gemmer.com, G-E-M-R.com, and start your own profile. Up your, upload your collectibles. Join a club. There's a Back to the Future club that I love, and I'm always posting my collectibles on there. 
Uh, I have most of my Back to the Future collection, but I, there's still so much for me to post. Every time I think I'm done, I actually find a box full of stuff. I just found my Power of the Love, Power of Love 45 single. And your Universal Studios collection. My cup. Universal Studios Back to the Future, the ride sipper cup. Oh, yeah, give it up, right? You love it. So that's Jemmer.com. I am Jeff Tucker on there. J-E-F-F-T-U-C-K-E-R. One word. Because Jemmer is where collectors collect. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and other collectors. Till next time, keep collecting.